0: covering all aspects of milwaukee brewers baseball it's time for brewers extra innings the podcast here is your host matt Polly
1: it is time for another edition of brewers extra innings the podcast powered by wtmj mobile my name is matt Pauley. great to have you with us as another week of baseball in the books, the first full week of baseball in the books. And the Brewers, so far, so good, as they have won every series that they have played so far, and all three of the series have been against divisional opponents. we got a lot to get to this week before we do any of that. Let's do this, our normal housekeeping items here at the top of the program. If you ever want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is via Twitter, at Matt, Pawley, on air, M-A-T-T. P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Also, I encourage you, if you listen to the podcast via Apple Podcast to leave a ranking and review. That always helps us and uh, helps other people uh, find the podcast, which is always what we're trying to uh, get to. More people uh, finding out what we're doing here at Brewers X-Turnings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. All right, so here's what's coming up on the program this week. Our social media conversation is going to be with J.R. Radcliffe. He is the trending sports reporter with the Journal Sentinel and jsonline.com doing something this week that I don't think we have ever done before. Now we've done over a hundred of these podcasts so there is uh, certainly a chance that maybe I have forgotten something but I don't think we have ever done a, a live interview in the sense of me being face-to-face with the person that I am interviewing. Generally, we do it via phone or via Skype, whatever it might be. That changes. J.R. was uh, covering the Brewers game on Sunday, the 4-2 one against the Cubs for the Journal Sentinel and jsonline.com. So instead of us doing a Skype connection later on in the day or doing a phone call, we went ahead and just uh, recorded the interview right there. So uh conversation with Jr. Radcliffe is going to be coming up in just a bit. We're going to start our Uh, really in-depth look on a weekly basis at the minor leagues next week. The minor league season just getting underway this past week. Just a a handful of games are in the books. And what we do, if if you're not real familiar with what we do during the season, maybe you're new to the podcast, uh, each week we will talk with either one of the team radio broadcasters for uh, the Brewers minor league affiliates, or we are going to talk to uh, somebody who I consider to be an expert on the minor leagues and do kind of more of a all-encompassing look. So that's going to start next week. I'll tell you now, we have Chris Maring from the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers scheduled to be with us on next week's podcast. So this week when we go down on the farm, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the uh, top dozen or so prospects in the Brewers minor league organization and tell you where they have been assigned, so you can kind of have an idea of who's where and, and what the timeline might be for them to make that next step. And for a good bunch of them, that next step is getting to the big leagues. The AAA team in San Antonio is stacked with high level prospects for the Brewers, so we'll do that coming up in uh, just a little bit. As we open up the program, though, just want to kind of comment on this 8 and 2 start for the Brewers. It's been really good. Like, I don't need to. Go any further than saying eight and two to explain that it has been a very, very good start for the Brewers. Obviously, the schedule or excuse me, the uh, the record, uh, it absolutely speaks for itself uh, when you look at where they are at in terms of all of baseball. We're recording this on Sunday night. The Mariners are nine and two, and then the Brewers and the Dodgers are tied with the second best record in all of baseball at eight and two. So clearly, The record is really good. I think making that record even more impressive is who they've played. They've got a four-game series against a good St. Louis team in there, and they've got a three-game series against a good Cubs team in there. Despite the Cubs' 2-7 and seven record, they're still a good baseball team, and we all thought that Cincinnati was going to be pretty good this year, and they will be eventually, but uh, clearly with a 1-8 and eight record there on the other side of the spectrum. As of Sunday night, they had the worst record in all of baseball. So it's been a really good start for the Brewers couple things jump out at me here in the first week and a half the team is making plays late in games to win close contests the fact that they're 5 and 0 and 1 and 0 games is really impressive and that's something that's hard to do just you know one run games most teams tend to be kind of in the area of 500 in one-run games. Just the way baseball is, if a game comes down to a single run, you're going to win half those games, you're going to lose half those games. Now, uh, there's a little wiggle room, and we'll see what it's going to look like. I mean, the Brewers are clearly going to lose some one-run games at some point over the course of a 162-game schedule. But for them to start off winning their first five one-run games, uh, that's really impressive, and that says something about this team. And I think it says something. Clearly, they have Josh Hader in the bullpen. But there's a lot of guys in there that maybe the Brewers as a the Brewers fan base, I'll say, doesn't have a lot, they, there's not a lot of trust. And there's guys who do have track records. I mean, Matt Albers is somebody that has done some nice things in Major League Baseball. A lot of people try to focus on uh, what happened in the second half of the season last year where he wasn't very good. You've got a guy like Alex Wilson who's been around Major League Baseball for a while, but he hasn't been with the Brewers. And there's some young guys down there as well. So there's there's this distrust, I think, so far of the bullpen. And more often than not, one-run games are won with te- by teams with really good bullpens. And not that the Brewers don't have a good bullpen, but right now the bullpen is an area that I think is still uh, something that people are, are working on trusting. And if we're being really honest about it, they, they might still be one high-leverage arm away from getting to where they want to be. And... You look at uh, Jeremy Jeffers is going to return at some point here in the next couple weeks. So That kind of gets you two back-of-the-bullpen guys in Josh Hader and Jeremy Jeffers. Do you want that one more guy? Last year they had Canable Jeffers and Hader. Uh, they've had other guys who they've been able to, to bring in. Do you want that one more big arm at the back end of the bullpen? Uh, that's probably something that's going to work itself out at some point in time over the course of the season. But all that being said... This is an eight and two team that five of their eight wins have been one run games, and they have found ways to win games. And they, we we talked about this a little bit on last week's podcast. I mean, the fact that the the way they're winning some of these games, opening day with the catch that was made by Lorenzo Cain, the immaculate inning that we saw from uh, Josh Hader, the uh, had a walk off against St. Louis, able to score late against Cincinnati, had a one nothing win against Cincinnati. I mean, there are there are clearly plays that are being made and 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 just it's been impressive it's been really impressive and it's been fun and it's still really early and you don't base anything off uh the first 10 games of the season but we can say through 10 games this has been a very very entertaining Brewers team to watch all right coming up on uh, this program again J.R. Radcliffe is going to join us in just a bit we're going to look at the top level prospects in the organization and let you know where they have been assigned to start the minor league season but right now let's get to this week's headlines of
0: the week it doesn't matter if it's right in the middle of the summer or winter. There's always news about the Brewers. Let's look back at the week that was with Matt's Headlines of the Week.
1: Some round numbers were acquired this past week by various Brewers personnel. Christian Yelich had a home run on Sunday against the Cubs. Interestingly enough, this is a bit of a surprise, that was his first home run against the Cubs as a member of the Brewers. He never hit a home run against the Cubs last year. But uh, the notable thing about his home run on Sunday, it was his 100th career home run. Speaking of round numbers, uh, Ryan Braun did something that uh, not a lot of players have done in franchise history. He became the third player in franchise history to score 1,000 runs uh, over the course of uh, his career. So uh, that's pretty cool. Ninth Ninth active player to uh, get to the 1,000 uh, career runs. And then uh, he is joined by Robin Yount and Paul Molitor as the only other Brewers players to score 1,000 runs over the course of their career. Jeremy Jeffress looks like he is going to be returning to the club at some point over the next two weeks. He is rehabbing right now at AAA San Antonio He made his debut on Friday night. Mixed results, uh, but the the main thing is him being able to get out there, be pitching, try to get uh, the strength in his shoulder back up and be able to get that velocity back up as well. So, uh, probably see him at some point in the next couple weeks. It seems like he would be back with the Brewers at some point uh, during that homestand uh, between uh, April 15th and 21st when they'll be playing against the Cardinals and the Dodgers. Brewers did make a move this past week. They sent down on Sunday Taylor Williams. Williams had been struggling out of the bullpen. He had a double-digit ERA, and uh, Jake Patriska who had a really nice spring training. He was uh, one of three players who was really competing for the two final roster spots and he was the odd man out right at the end of spring training. You knew that he was going to be part of this bullpen mix at some point in time and indeed he is the first Brewers player to be called up from AAA in the 2019 campaign. Those are this week's headlines of the week. Right now let's get to our conversation with J.R. Radcliffe
0: after every brewers game signing an announcement bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take now we bring them all together it's the social media roundtable and it starts now brewers extrins the podcast
1: is powered by wtmj mobile it is time for a social media conversation we're doing something that we have never done before it is a live in-person interview we are sitting in the booth where I do the Brewers X journeys post-game show at Miller Park, and we welcome in the uh, Journal Sentinel trending sports reporter. You can find him on Twitter at JR Radcliffe. Uh, see everything he does at jsonline.com. It is based
2: off the Twitter handle, JR Radcliffe. How are you? I'm good. The maiden voyage of in-person interviewing. This is this is a totally new world. I'm very excited.
1: This is good. And, and you know what? Nobody's going to have any uh, problem hearing what we're saying, so that's, uh, that's good as well. We just watched the Brewers a four-two win over the Cubs. They take two out of three. You look at this season; they take three of four from St. Louis. They sweep Cincinnati. They take two of three against Cincinnati, or excuse me, against Chicago. Three straight divisional series, and they win all of them in a division that's expected to be so good this year. How important is it for them to get off to good starts in these divisional games?
2: I mean, they all count. I think I said this uh, at the beginning of the year. I said, and it wasn't a statistical analysis by any means, but. I didn't expect the Brewers to win as many games this year as last year because they got all the breaks last year. They just, I mean, especially down the stretch, but even over the course of the season, you went through the season, and they had maybe two or three losses that you could really say they really should have won. Pirates before the All-Star break comes to mind. They had a game against San Diego where they let a late lead slip away. But they really, for the most part, had a bunch of games that they stole and not the other way around. So I just thought that was going to even out. You know, again, statistically, that's not a good analysis, but I just thought that was going to even out. And then you look at what they've done so far. They've gotten every break again. I mean, they've they've won all the all these close games. I believe they're still five and zero in one run games. You know that certainly was the case against the Reds. And then coming to this Cubs series, and the bats really you really can see what the bats can do, which uh, which is obviously pretty pretty impressive. Uh, and then uh, then on Sunday they clean up with a four two game. There were some plays that could have gone either way. A couple long fly balls that landed just shy of the track. Ben Gamel caught one that I thought might be gone off the bat. And uh, so, so the Brewers are living good right now. And, and on top of that, they, they haven't quite hit their stride. The starting pitching is still a work in progress. The relief pitching... You could say this about everybody's bullpen, but the relief pitching gives you some concern, I guess, if there is to be concern for a team that's 8-2, and two, and the bats are awake, and Christian Yelich is crushing the ball, and, and Ryan Braun is, is hitting the ball on the screws, and you know it just feels right now like they're back in the mode where A, they're extremely good, and B, they're getting all the breaks, and uh, and C, they have a bullpen weapon that nobody else can account for like we saw on Sunday when Josh Hader threw two and two-thirds. Crazy. You said a lot right there. Let's start with 5-0 and o in one-run games because teams
1: just – one-run games—you're supposed to be about 500. I mean, it's, it's such a crapshoot when it comes to a one-run game. You're a you're a bloop and a blast at any moment from going from being up one to being down one. It does say something about this club. I, I use the term all the time, and I think advanced analytics people don't like this kind of term. But a team that makes plays and finds ways to win so far when you're when you're five and zero in one-run games—that's
2: exactly what this team is doing. Yeah, and that it does usually speak to a, when when you're good at one-run games, it's usually because your bullpen is really good, and that isn't necessarily what you'd say on the whole of this team. But but Josh Hader is just beyond exceptional, and what he did on Sunday is is a you know just example A of why he's so valuable because not only is he a shutdown pitcher he's a shutdown pitcher for multiple innings you know they were teetering on the brink a little bit in the 6th and 7th inning on Sunday and then they bring him in with 2 outs to get out of a jam and then he blows away some of the best hitters in baseball in the middle of the Cubs order and uh, and then he's able to get through the ninth as well so that's that's something that is going to get you a couple one run games a year. And then there's a couple that you're just lucky, you know. A one run a one-nothing win like against the Reds to close out the Reds series, there's a lot of luck involved. It also helped that Freddie Peralta was awesome, but you know, they they were able to get the breaks, and their bullpen has, with Josh Hader specifically, has risen to the occasion when they've really needed it. When it comes to starting pitching we talk obviously a lot about the young guys. We
1: talk about Elise Shaqseen because he's kind of he's the number one guy in the rotation. A guy that we haven't talked a lot about is Zach Davies. And when you've got three young guys in the middle of the rotation, as good as Freddie Peralta was and as uh, tough as we've seen some things in giving up home runs for Brandon Woodruff uh, for at least the first half of the season, if not the entire season, it's going to be a roller coaster with some of these young guys to have a veteran guy like Zach Davies who's gotten off to a nice start in his first two games. That's
2: kind of a, a stabilizing force for this rotation. His ERA in April is 5.90 coming into the year. He's got this knock of being just a really slow starter. And for whatever reason this year, I think, I think it was probably, talked to him after the game on Sunday, and I, I think it's really good that he got into the playoffs last year just for one inning. Uh, he was added to the roster when Gio Gonzalez got hurt. He wasn't originally on the postseason roster. And, you know, it was just one inning, but it, it showed that he was healthy. It showed that he was, like, good to go in the offseason. He had a ton of injuries last year. And so I think that's part of the reason why why we discounted him. And he's not a power pitcher. You know, he's going to – he works the corners. He doesn't throw super hard. So – it's easy to, to think of him as the guy that is your quote-unquote fifth starter, the guy you replace when you find somebody better who comes along. But, but he has seemed to kick the, the April Blues to start the year with two really good starts, two victories for the Brewers. And you're right. I mean, he's a veteran. I mean, he's, he's, he looks like he's young, and he's, he's, I guess because he's been injured, he only had 13 games last year. There isn't a ton of mileage on his arm. But compared to the other guys, he is a veteran, and it's important to have yet another guy that you know, that can get into the sixth and seventh inning. I always
1: chuckle at myself, and I chuck callers who make these kind of statements. Like We're 10 games into the season. Nothing matters. There's such a small sample size that nothing actually matters, but it's all we have to work with right now as we talk about this. Corbin Burns, who hasn't been a guy who's given up home runs through his minor league career, certainly didn't give up home runs in his major league time last year. He's thrown 10 innings. He's given up six home runs, three home runs in each of his first two starts. Are are you concerned at all with that number again in a very small sample size
2: probably not yet and i think i'd say we're a couple starts away from being it would be okay to be concerned if the home run ball continues to be a problem for him through the through the rest of the month of april and he's a power pitcher he pounds the strike zone we saw that in the first start of the year when he when he recorded 12 strikeouts but also gave up three home runs like the, you know he's going to throw strikes that are going to be hittable at times because that is just the nature of the way he pitches so I think that what because you're seeing him in greater spurts, he's not able to, you know, you would, you would guess that he's not able to throw quite the same velocity, quite the same, like, full effort as he is as a relief pitcher. So he's still probably learning the craft, relearning the craft as a starting pitcher a little bit against some pretty good hitters. And the guys who've taken him deep are some pretty good hitters. I... I do think it's, re- it, you know, it gives you a reason to raise your eyebrow a little bit. Like, okay, is he really going to be able to? Be, because there's the natural tendency to say, let's put him back in the bullpen because he's so good in the bullpen. Why would we mess with that? This is a this is definitely not a short-term experiment, though. And the Brewers are very committed to putting him in the, keeping him in the rotation. He's going to still be in the rotation. I would say at the end of April, if you look back and okay, he's given up three homers per start and every month, you know and every start <laughs> in April. Yeah, there's probably something that needs to be worked out. But uh, but like you said, two games uh, two games is just too small a sample to worry about yet. You mentioned fans talking about him going back to the
1: bullpen. He's in our... The Brewers have handled him I think differently than almost anybody else because the Brewers are so close to the vest with their plans. They don't like to give anything away. And the day he got called up last year, the organization yelled to the mountaintops he's going to be in the bullpen the rest of this year but next year he's back to being a starter his future is as a starter in uh, Saturday night's uh, press conference after the game Craig Council continued to say this guy's a starter this guy's a starter he obviously profiles as a starter because of how many different pitches he has the ability to throw but I I think it's notable and I think it's interesting that this organization that kind of
2: keeps things to itself have been so loud about saying this guy is a starter When you're a young pitcher, or a young player, I'm sure the last thing you want to hear are mixed signals. You don't even want to hear the shred of doubt. If there is any doubt that Corbin Burns, you you know, could go back into the bullpen or whatever, that's just not something that they're going to publicly say, even, even like hinting at it because they're going to want Corbin Burns to be thinking like a starter, preparing like a starter. And again, like I said, I think he certainly will be the starter barring something that I don't expect. I don't expect this, uh, this home run problem to continue. And when you could strike out 12 in an outing, that's pretty good. You know, like he's obviously not struggling uh, struggling to get to miss bats, so that's key as well. It, I, it's a little unusual, you know, with Josh Hader. I think it was a situation where they weren't sure because he was so good out of the bullpen, and they just weren't sure if that would profile as a starter. And and finally, it just it eventually revealed itself that you just could not live without him in the bullpen and uh, he was such an unusual weapon, so that's why they decided ultimately to not put Josh Hader back into a starting pitcher situation. But there is still so much value in having, especially a young, controllable pitcher who can work six, seven innings. The Brewers, I know how they operated last year, and I they, they were able to make use of their personnel the best way possible and lean on their bullpen so much. But I know they still want guys who can work deep into games. It is still, if you have an asset who can work that you know be a starting pitcher and be effective as a starting pitcher, that is option A all the time.
1: Craig Kishan and I have kind of had a little bit of a debate uh, on the post-game show on WTMJ where uh, he thought early on that especially as long as Jeremy Jeffers is out and with Corey Knable not being here, that Josh Hader was going to be used as more of a conventional ninth inning closer. And I thought he was... Co- yeah, I thought he was going to be somebody that you would still – You, when you use him, you're going to be – he's going to be down a lot of times no matter what, so you might as well get multiple innings out of him. So Craig was right for the first uh, season, first part of the season until Sunday, and then he has multiple innings on Sunday. I think all that does is prove that Hayter continues to be – A guy that you can use in really different ways depending on not just how a game is going, but how a week is going because his outing on Sunday was very much predetermined
2: by the fact that he hadn't been used the last few days. I completely agree with that. I think that they're just playing it series by series, game by game, and as they should. I'm so interested to know how things change for Josh Hader when Jeremy Jeffress comes back. With a couple factors in play. One is Jeremy Jeffress had a really special year last year, and I think that got obscured a little bit by how good Josh Hader was. But Jeremy Jeffress was outstanding. The idea that he would replicate that is also a little its a little hard to believe. Like, I mean, Josh Hader started replicating what he did in 2018, but for Jeremy Jeffress to do that again, it would, it would buck the career norms with him. He's been a little bit, you know, every other year he's kind of been a really, really strong relief pitcher, and he's struggled in other times, and obviously injuries have factored in, but, you know, there's no guarantee that Jeremy Jeffers is going to come back to Milwaukee and be the 2018 version. So if that is the case, if he isn't the guy that you want in the ninth inning closing the door or in the eighth inning spots where it's their three best hitters, do you then you know, keep Josh Hader at the very back of things as sort of the guy you go to when you want the game sealed up and uh, I, I don't know the answer to that. Obviously, I, I expect Jeffers to be very effective at minimum. You know, I expect him to be really good. But the, we have to see, and we have to see how he responds after after getting a slow start with with sort of the soreness in, in spring training. And do they let Jeremy Jeffers go multiple innings at all? They, they didn't really do much of that last year, and I can't imagine they're going to start. So he's probably the type of guy that you would keep in the, in a you know specific maybe ninth inning situation. But uh, I think that just all depends on how effective he is, and, and that's going to determine what they ultimately do with Josh Hader.
1: Most really high-level bullpens have three high-leverage arms. You have the 7th, 8th, and ninth inning. And We've seen, uh, you thought going into this year it was going to be Canable, Jefferson, Hader. Knable goes down. Other guys have filled that role for the Brewers. And you, know, you think Anthony Swarzak a couple years ago. They make some acquisitions last year. Do you feel like this bullpen right now is still a high-leverage arm
2: short? He, I mean, there's no Craig Kimbrell, if that's what the what the ultimate question is. I I, I think don't sleep on Matt Albers. I mean he's also an every other year kind of guy and when he's on and he's healthy, he's phenomenal. And I, I remember the, the last year he pitched in Washington. He was incredible. And I know last year things fell off a cliff for him. Went from went from really really good in April and May to almost unpitchable. And and I know that people are very down on him as a result. But but he's really good. And I think that there's a chance he could have elevated into the Canelo role. You know, maybe not quite to what we saw out of Canable in September when he was insane. But certainly certainly a guy that you can rely on in the seventh and eighth inning if you need to. So. Do I think it'd be good if they added Craig Kimbrel? I do. Yeah, I think it'd be great. I, mean, I don't think, you know, I don't think Craig Kimbrell is necessarily markedly better than Jeffress or Hater at their best. I don't think he's better at all. In fact, when those guys are at their best, but uh, I, I certainly wouldn't be opposed to adding a guy like that. I just think uh, I'm curious to see what Matt Alvers does. And if, if he doesn't work out, I do think they'll probably explore options during the middle of the season, maybe before the trade deadline. Here's what scares me about Craig Kimbrell. Let me throw this off of you.
1: I think about Greg Holland last year. Mm-hmm. Holland was really, really good the year before, and then he has no spring training, ends up getting signed on opening day, and he was just a shell of himself, and I think it's a direct result of him missing spring training. There are guys who can miss spring training, can come in, get a couple weeks in the minor leagues and be fine, but there's guys who need spring training. They go sign Craig Kimbrell tomorrow. Let's say they get him for $15 million, which is probably not – they probably can't get him for $15 million, but let's say they get him for $15 million. There's no guarantee that Craig Kimbrell's Craig Kimbrell's this year.
2: No doubt. And not only that, but you have to you have to sort of project when you get Craig Kimbrell. Is it four weeks once he's signed before he's pitching for you in the big leagues? It's probably not that long. But it's it's at least some time. You know, we're already saying if they signed him, you know, while we're talking, he's not gonna pitch for the Brewers until May. So that you're already losing value in having him in that you're you're missing a whole month of the season and more. The further we get into the you know into the start of the 2019 season, so that's a that's definitely a detriment. And the other angle is. At some point, I would think that the Brewers, if they're still serious about him, would be getting into a little bit of a bidding war with other teams. That Because everybody's bullpen stinks in April, or at least that's what it feels like. So, I mean, the Cubs, the team that we just saw, they definitely have bullpen issues. And if they would finally start paying people again, they would probably be a a very good suitor for Craig Kimbrell. I I mean, i got to think there are other teams that are going to feel their situation is desperate, and the Brewers are not desperate. And they're not going to pay a guy out of desperation. They've shown that sort of financial discipline in the past. It has paid off for them. So I I, I mean, I, Nobody wants to hear that this is just not going to happen because, of course, it still could, and everybody's kind of clinging to that hope. It's just, It just is looking – with every passing day, it's less and less likely, I think, that the Brewers are going to get involved.
1: Well, let me finish you off with this. We've talked a lot of baseball on-field stuff, but your role as a trending sports reporter, you go beyond that. You've had some cool stuff last year. You know, the, the Eric Kratz thing and all his buddies that came is still one of my favorite things that I've ever read uh, at, at the Journal Sentinel, and there's been other stories. Uh, the big L flag from last year it actually made its uh, re-debut. Yes. Uh, uh, here uh, over the last few days, what's been since you've moved into this
2: position? What has been maybe your favorite story that you've been able to tell Brewers related? I mean, I did really like the Kratz story. That was that's probably my number one. It performed very well too. I mean, I think a lot of people got a kick out of it. It was just a good story. It's got nothing to do with who wrote it. It's just the idea that a bunch of his old buddies raided his closet and found his old jerseys from other you know his other stops in the major leagues and showed up at Miller Park during the playoffs. That was just a great story, and and you could tell it it goes along hand-in-hand with what a great guy Eric Kratz is, how easy it was to like him, his story as a 38-year-old journeyman who was finally getting his first chance to play in the playoffs. I mean, it had everything, right? And, uh, you know, stories like that are are really easy to write and really fun to, uh, you know, really fun to tell. That's kind of the cool thing about my job is I get to tell all this fun stuff. It's stuff that people are talking about or thinking about that doesn't necessarily have to do with just the game itself. Just what happened between the lines. It's stuff that's happening on social media. It's it's just fun moments that maybe you know weren't central to the to the to the plots or even the subplots of, of the outcomes on the field. It's just stuff that uh, that people like to talk about. So I'm having a lot of fun and I'm glad that I get to do it. And uh, you can find all my stuff at jsonline.com, and uh, and hopefully I've got a lot more stories to tell, especially during baseball season. A lot of games, a lot of action, six months of regular season. There's always a lot to talk about, so it's, it's been a good time. Here's J.R. Radcliffe.
0: Thank you so much for your time.
2: Thank you, sir. Talk to you again soon. <laughs>
0: The future of the Brewers organization has never been more important than it is right now. It's time to get an inside look at what's taking place throughout the Brewers minor league affiliates as we go down on the farm.
1: So again, what we are going to be doing is next week, we'll start our weekly conversations with uh, the various team broadcasters and other folks who are experts about the Brewers minor league system. Uh, Chris Maring, the broadcaster for the Wisconsin Tim Rattlers, is set to join us uh, coming up next Sunday. And uh, they've got a big thing coming up this week, by the way. Friday night, this uh, this upcoming Friday, April 12th, uh, they are going to be taking on Quad Cities, the Timber Rattlers are, and that game is going to be played at Miller Park. That's going to be a 7 5 start coming up on Friday night. And uh, So if you want to check out the uh, Timber Rattlers, uh, certainly an opportunity to do so. Uh, Obviously, they're in Appleton, so it's not too far away for uh, folks in Milwaukee. But if you want to see them play at Miller Park, you'll have the opportunity to do so coming up on Friday night. So what we are doing this week here on our Down on the Farm Report is we're actually going to kind of look at some of the uh, top prospects in the organization and just let you know where they're at right now. So that kind of gives you a roadmap to when they might get to their next stop. And there's a lot of these players that we'll mention that are at the top of the minor league system, including the top two prospects in the organization. I'm going through uh, using the MLB Pipeline uh, Prospect Rankings not for not trying to put down Baseball America or anybody else that does rankings, but uh, quite honestly, their website is the easiest one to navigate. So we'll go with the uh, MLB pipeline as far as the uh, prospect rankings. And everybody is kind of in the same neighborhood when it comes to uh, ranking the prospects. Top prospect in the organization is Keston Hira. He is at AAA San Antonio. We are uh, recording this on Sunday night. Has been a bit of a slow start for him at San Antonio. Uh, This is a guy that Brewers fans, some have been clamoring for him to uh, get to the big leagues. There's some out there that if they would have had their wish, he would have broken camp and been in the big leagues uh, to start this season. I've always said I want to see this guy perform at AAA over a somewhat extended amount of time before he gets that big league opportunity. He's going to see some pitches uh, at AAA that he's never seen before. A lot of guys with big league experience, you know the the breaking balls that can be thrown for strikes. Like, there's just triple A is kind of a, another level. The people always talk about the big jump being from high A to double A, and I agree that I don't think it's. I think that's the biggest jump in terms of uh, the types of pitchers pitches you're going to see. But there's still another level of pitch that you see when you get to AAA. And he's, he has struck out a fair amount. As we talk on Sunday night, he has had 17 at bats and he's had 11 strikeouts. He's hitting 235, so when he doesn't strike out, uh, he's been getting hits. But 11 strikeouts and 17 at bats, clearly, he's uh, still got it's early. Four games that he's appeared in. I'm not saying that this guy's uh, anything but uh, a fantastic player, and I think he's going to be with the Brewers at some point uh, during this season. But mastering and controlling AAA is kind of that next thing that he needs to do. He is joined on that AAA roster by outfitter Corey Ray who also has had a bit of a slow start to the season. A 182 uh, average and in his 11 at bats he has struck out 9 separate times so he's trying to uh, get things going as well. Those are your top 2 prospects in the organization. Bryce Terang is the number 3 prospect in the organization. He broke camp with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers so a guy that you've got an opportunity to see at Miller Park, coming up on Friday night. Tristan Lutz, he is at High A Carolina, so he is the uh, highest prospect at the High A level. You have Mauricio Dubon. And, uh, Dubon, again, a guy who last year I think was going to be at the big leagues really, really soon prior to his injury. It would not have shocked me if he was within 24, 48 hours of being called up just the way things were going. And he's had a nice start to his time at San Antonio. He's seeing 385 as we talk on Sunday night. If if the Brewers need a position player and he continues to do what he's doing, would not shock me to see Dubon be the guy who uh, gets that call. Pitcher Zach Brown. A lot of people are excited about seeing him at the big league level. He'll probably make his major league debut at some point over the course of this season. He has made one start at A San Antonio so far and uh, pretty good. Went six innings, uh, ended up, uh, has a 1.50 ERA, five strikeouts, one walk over the course of his uh, one start. So he's, a, you know what, I'm going to be interested with him. And, and somebody said this to me, and, and I think, uh, might we see kind of a Corbin Burns approach with Zach Brown? Brown, where at some point this year he's brought up to be a relief pitcher and then eventually they, they maybe move him into the starting rotation. I don't, I don't know what the plan is for him, but I do think we'll see him in Milwaukee at uh, some point over the course of the year. The number 8 prospect in the organization is Lucas Ersig. He's another guy who has began the season at A San Antonio. So, a lot of guys. A lot of guys at San Antonio and at AAA who are some of the top prospects in the organization. Aaron Ashby, he's another guy who's with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. He had a really, really good start on Sunday. He, in all likelihood, will pitch for the Timber Rattlers uh, when they are playing the Miller Park game. A lot of people are really excited about Ashby and what he's going to uh, be able to do. And uh, he just he profiles as somebody who uh, not just will get to the big leagues at some point in time, but probably going to be on the fast track as well to uh, get to the big leagues at some point in time. Catcher Peyton Henry. We've talked a lot about him. He has began the season at high. A Carolina. We finally get to somebody who is at AA Biloxi. Biloxi is one of the teams that does not have uh, as many of the top prospects in the organization, but pitcher Trey Supak, uh, he is at uh, AA Biloxi. He is joined there by uh, Brayden Webb, so those two guys are the number 11 and number 12 prospects uh, in the organization, and uh, that gives you kind of an idea of where some of these uh, top prospects are. As far as that Triple A roster goes, I mean, when you start Going a little bit further down, uh, number 13 prospect in the organization, Troy Stokes, he's at AAA. Uh, Adrian Hauser is still has prospect status, even though he's got some big league time. Uh, he is at uh, AAA. Jacob Nottingham, the number 16 prospect in the organization, he's at AAA. So do you look at the top 16 prospects, uh, a, g- a good number of them are at AAA. So the Brewers are going to have some uh, possibilities in terms of some young high-level prospects to come up and help this roster at some point during the year if they need it. All right, that is uh, just about going to do it for this week's program. Uh, Here's what's going to be coming up this week for the Brewers as they hit the road and head out west for the week. They will begin with a three-game series in Anaheim against the Angels, 9.07 Central Time for each of those uh, three games. They'll take Thursday off and then they'll have a three-game series against the Dodgers on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You can hear all of those games uh, on WTMJ Radio. And don't forget, uh, you can always listen to my post-game show following the games on WTMJ. If you're somebody who maybe does not live in Milwaukee, does not live uh, within uh, earshot of WTMJ, and it covers most of the state and gets into Illinois, Indiana, Michigan as well. But if you're somebody who can't get the radio station, uh, you can stream the post-game show as well at WTMJ.com on the WTMJ app. I always remind folks that during the actual play-by-play broadcast of the Brewers game, uh, you are unable to stream WTMJ. The streaming rights are actually owned by Major League Baseball, so you have to have a subscription to MLB Game Day Audio or MLB.tv to be able to uh, listen to the game uh, via streaming. But as soon as the uh, play-by-play broadcast goes off the air and we hit the air with our uh, post-game show, it starts streaming again at WTMJ.com on the uh, streaming uh, app and other places that you can find uh, WTMJ streaming as well so encourage everybody to uh, listen in to the post game show we are going to have some late nights slash early mornings this upcoming uh, week but uh, that's okay it's fun and uh, we look forward to talking to you very very late at night slash very very early in the morning this upcoming week as the Brewers are out on the West Coast I do want to uh, thank again uh, my guest this week uh, Jr. Radcliffe the trending sports reporter with the Journal Sentinel and jsonline.com Thank you to you for uh, spending some time and listening to the podcast. And we'll talk to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by
0: WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to the home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.